Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Pastor Mark asked me to talk about something that's near and dear to us, and I say that in jest, but it's fasting, and uh, it's going to be a really short message because uh, the question is, uh, why do we have this 21-day fast, and why should we fast? Well, because Pastor Mark asked us to. That's the end of my sermon. <laughs> uh, of course, I of course I'm kidding. I, I don't want to make light of fasting. Uh, I thought this was be this would be a relatively easy uh, subject to talk about, but it took a lot of delving into Scripture, and actually it took a lot of self-examination, because I have a lot of questions about fasting, and I'm going to pose those questions to you. But a lot of those questions are really questions posed to me, so I don't want you to think that I know more about fasting than you do. I just want to impart uh, what I have learned about fasting, and I appreciate Pastor Mark for. Uh, letting me talk about it and, and learn, about, learn about this. You know, I grew up in churches all my life, Protestant churches, where fasting wasn't ever mentioned. Well, you know, we, we learned about Jesus fasting for 40 days. But that was it. There was nothing about fasting yourself as part of the worship of our God. No, that, it was so foreign. It was so foreign to me. And, uh, and you know, the, the most I heard was, about anything close to fasting is the practice of Lent. And you've all heard that, people giving up something for Lent. And uh, I recently had a neighbor uh, who gave up whiskey for Lent. So he drank beer. <laughs> so, I mean, is that giving up something? I don't know. And the only other fasting I heard of was, you know, before you go see a doctor, you don't, don't drink anything except water or maybe coffee. Uh, after midnight. So that's the closest I ever came to experiencing fasting uh, until about 26 years ago. Um, I have a brother who's really strong in the spirit, and we were talking one day, and, and he says, yeah, I just finished fasting. And I went, what? Yeah, I just finished fasting. For what? He goes, I felt I needed direction in my life. I said, okay, so that was weird to me. And he fasted for 40 days. And um, he, he said, I, talked, I called him about it before I did this message. I said, why, why, did, you, why did you fast? He goes, because I really needed direction in my life. I didn't know where my life was taking me. So I asked God during my 40-day fast. He said he'd never do it again, right? But, but he, uh, he and, and I think it worked. I think he got direction in his life. And he's just a powerful, powerful uh, brother that I have. And what's weird is he's my younger brother. So I don't know. Anyway, um, so, you know, I thought when he told me that, that was really weird. And then I came to Life Fellowship, started coming here in 2019, I believe, and Pastor Mark talked about a 21-day fast uh, then, and I said to myself, okay, that's weird. Uh, I, I can't fast. I've got to commute every day, go to work. You know, I've got a demanding job. I can't, I can't, I can't be fasting. The second year he mentioned it, I fasted, but... I really fasted as kind of a diet to try it out, and I really didn't put my heart into it. 
but since then, I've been trying to fast. And um, when, when we have the 21-day fast, it's only a couple years. But, um, but if you study Scripture and look at the practice of our church fathers, our early church, fasting was not a weird thing. Fasting was a regular part of their worship of our God. They fasted all the time. It was a common part of one's walk with God. So my endeavor this morning is to, ask, is to answer this question, why fast? And one answer to this question is that Scripture reveals that Jesus expected us to fast. He doesn't come out and say it. He doesn't command us to fast. But you'll see from Scripture that he expected us to fast. But before I get to uh, talking about that, I have a few questions that I want to pose to you. Do you have a need for healing, whether physical or spiritual? Are you at a point in your life where you need direction, whether it's a job situation or a family situation? Are you suffering from a besetting sin, one that's difficult to overcome? And, and don't be ashamed if you have a besetting sin. Almost everyone has one. You know, it could be pride, could be lust, could be lying, envy, gossiping, procrastination, laziness, anger, easily losing your temper. You know, it's anything that constantly conflicts with the fruit of the Spirit, right? It conflicts with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the question is, do you have a besitting sin, one that seems difficult to overcome? Do you have an addiction, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornography, social media, television, sugar, money, whatever it is? Do you need a miracle in your life? Are you going through a challenging time in your life where you need a victory? Do you seek God's favor and protection? And I get that from Esther. She asked for God's protection, and then we'll get into that, and for God's favor. Do you need to reset your relationship with God? Do you want to hear from God? Do you want God to impart more wisdom to you? Do you want to grow spiritually stronger? Do you want to draw God closer to you? As Pastor Mark says, press into God. Do you want a revival to take hold in Kima, or this country, or this world? If you answered yes to any of these questions, well, those are just some of the reasons for undertaking a period of fasting and prayer in your life, combined with spending time in the Word. So as I said earlier, Jesus expects us to fast. And where do I get that from? Well, at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus mentioned fasting and instructed that fasting is to be a personal experience. And this is, uh, I'll start with Matthew 6.16. And this is Jesus talking. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. 
Notice uh, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. Let's go back to Matthew 6, 16. It starts off, and when you fast. Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. So there you have it. Jesus assumed his followers would fast. This isn't the only time Jesus said this, though. One day, the followers of John the Baptist approached Jesus and asked him why his disciples and he didn't fast like they did and like the Pharisees did. Matthew 9, 14. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? You know, at that time, fasting was seen as what righteous people did. If you were religious, you fasted because you were righteous. And the opposite is true. If you were righteous, you fasted. And so, on the flip side, if a person didn't fast, they were seen as unrighteous. And so, this may have been an innocent question by uh, John the Baptist's followers, or it could have been a, a question that was challenging Jesus' practice and his um, behavior that didn't meet the religiously observant people of the time. Well, 9.15, this is how Jesus replied. Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So obviously the analogy is Jesus is the bridegroom, and his attendants are his disciples, and they're not going to fast while they're celebrating the presence of Jesus, right? But when Jesus died on the cross ascended into heaven, Jesus said that one day after that, my followers will fast. He didn't say they might fast. He didn't say they might decide to fast. He said they will fast. Pull up uh, number 22 again. Matthew 9.15. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Right? So, we are blessed, too, that we have a Savior who was not a Savior that said, do as I say. He was a Savior who was a do-as-I-do Savior, right? And by that I mean, it goes without mention that Jesus himself fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before he started his ministry. There are two other legends in the Bible that fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and that's Moses and Elijah. And it's interesting that both of them were at the transfiguration, isn't it? Uh, I'm not saying that if you fast for 21 days, you're going to see Jesus or Elijah or Moses, but Jesus led by example. And let's look at uh, Matthew 3.16 through Matthew 4.2. And this is talking about when Jesus went into the wilderness uh, Matthew 3.16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, 
he fasted and became very hungry. So in that verse, it says for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Matthew uses the word, uh, if you pull up screen 27, I can't pronounce that word. I can pronounce the root word is nestea, but I don't know what those last couple uh, symbols are. But this is the point. That word implies that Jesus did more than an exercise of self-denial. In other words, he just didn't go there into the wilderness to diet. He went in there for a religious purpose. And that's what that word indicates. Abstinence for religious purposes. A ritual act accompanying seasons of prayer. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness. And here's the point. You know, most people would say, if you go into battle, you need to beef up. You need to get your strength up. You need to make sure that uh, you eat the right food and vitamins and so forth. Jesus knew he was going into the wilderness to battle Satan. And what did he do? He weakened his physical self. But what happened? He strengthened his spiritual self. And he was able to combat Satan himself with, can you imagine the temptation? Make that stone into a loaf of bread. I mean, I've had some pretty good bread. Central Market makes pretty good bread, right? Put some butter, maybe some brie on it. But can you imagine how tempting that was? That he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. But he was strong in the spirit. And he denied Satan. He denied Satan for you and he denied Satan for me. So, fasting and praying can have powerful results. And here's what the Bible illustrates about the, illustrates about the potential power of religious fasting. In Acts 13, 1-3, there was a wonderful illustration of how fasting and prayer ignited a world-changing ministry of Paul and Barnabas. There was a church in Antioch. I think there's a map. If you can pull up slide 29. You see in red there, Antioch was a church that was close to the uh, Turkey. And it was close to uh, the Roman Empire proper. And in Acts 13, 1 through 3, this is what it says. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Then Acts 13.3 says, so after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So the leaders of the church were worshiping the Lord, fasting and praying, and seeking God's guidance on how to spread the good news. And the Holy Spirit responded with an answer that, as history would have it, was world-changing. The mission of Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, was the most important mission in history. It advanced the gospel into the mighty Roman Empire. And that was after fasting and prayer. And they received the guidance from the Holy Spirit and did that and changed the world.
So we see examples in Scripture of fasting and prayer and how this can impact lives. The question is, how does God view fasting? And this, this goes to something that's kind of close to what I would call pride. It's really interesting. What I was able to determine is that Scripture says that God views, views fasting as an act of humbleness. It's an act that is opposite of being prideful. So when you hear, oh, I'm, maybe you should fast, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to fast. We don't do that. Is that pride getting in the way? Are you willing to humble yourself before God? So God views fasting as an act of humbleness. Where do I get this from? The prophet Daniel had several visions. And in this particular episode, Daniel had his third vision. And this was the vision where um, it was foretold of a, a period of 77-year periods, which equaled 490 years. And it was a vision of when Jerusalem would be rebuilt and the time starting from that point on to when the Messiah would appear. And also, it was a vision of the fact that Messiah would be taken away. And it was a vision of the destruction of Israel after that. So Daniel had this vision, and, um, and when he received this vision, he had been fasting and praying. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Daniel 9.3. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. And then a messenger appeared before Daniel and told him to not be afraid. Daniel 10:12. And this is the messenger to Daniel. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding, and here's the point, and to humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. So this verse in Daniel is instructive. What jumps out is that God views fasting as an act of humbleness. And King David says as much in Psalm 35.13. This is Psalm 35.13, New King James Version. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer would return to my own heart. So if done for the right purpose, fasting is a reflection of where your heart is with God, right? And I'm speaking to someone who may be skeptical of this concept of fasting. Fasting is seen by God as being humble. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say this about, um, you know, fasting is a way of saying we're not going to be enslaved by food as a source of our satisfaction. We say that Jesus is better than food. Jesus is more satisfying than food. And food satisfies only for a short time, right? Okay, so I, I'll mention this. How many of you have eaten Chinese food, okay? Only to be hungry an hour later, <laughs> right? Am I right? But Jesus satisfies forever, 
And we can get a taste of the Jesus level of satisfaction when we do the opposite of what our physical body wants us to do when we fast. So why else fast? Fasting is also a way of cutting out things that distract us from having a deep relationship with God. Uh, I'm thinking about all manners of things that we have in our lives, things we do that get in the way of our relationship with God. And I'm talking about television, talking about the phone, social media, talking about hobbies, right? Entertainment, recreation, things that take us away from God. I'm not saying these things are bad, but a lot of times they get in the way. And so a period of fasting and prayer can at least for a short period of time get those out of the way and open up our relationship with God. You know, these things take our eyes off of God. Fasting, the kind of fasting that Jesus did and the prophets and the great people the Bible did, helps us to cut out these distractions and put our eyes directly on God. You know, fasting can draw us closer to God. And what's interesting is it can draw God closer to us. Think about that. You know, Moses, Elijah, Daniel, Paul, Jesus himself fasted so they might draw closer to God. They knew that when they drew closer to God, God drew closer to them. To them, James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Think about that. The creator of the universe, you would think he has lots of things, issues to deal with, not only in the physical world, in the, in the spiritual world, right? There are billions of people on the planet. But when you draw closer to the creator of the universe, he will draw closer to each one of you. Isn't that amazing? That's another reason to perhaps undertake a period of fasting and prayer over these next 21 days. We also fast to seek guidance, like my brother did, before making important decisions. As we saw earlier, the leaders of the Church of Antioch, they fasted when they needed direction from God. And there are numerous other examples. Pastor Mark tells us when he and Pastor Christine fasted and prayed about starting a church. What if they hadn't fasted and prayed? Would there be a life fellowship today? That's a good question. Something to ponder. There are other reasons for fasting and praying. We fast to seek protection. Where, I, where do I get this from? The story of Esther, right? She called for a fast after she had learned of a plot to kill all the Jews in Persia. She wanted to tell the king of the plot, but she couldn't just appear before the king uninvited. If he did that, and he didn't point the scepter at you, you'd be killed. So she instructed Mordecai to tell all the Jews to fast for three days, and she fasted as well, so that what? She would find favor with the king when she approached him to inform him of this plot. Esther 4.16. Go and gather together, together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same, and then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. 
Well, when she came into the presence of the king, he happened to be in a jovial mood. I wonder if that was arranged. And when he saw her, he not only stretched out his scepter towards her, but he said he would give her half his kingdom if she asked for it. God does more than we ask, doesn't he? So, um, so that's one reason to fast, is to seek protection and favor with God. Why else do we fast? Well, we fast to discipline our bodies. You know, who knows what kind of future we have in our country, what kind of shortages we will have, but fasting can help us discipline our body. And 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might, myself might be disqualified. Continuing with 1 Corinthians 6.19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So there are other reasons for fasting. Fasting and prayer is a way, believe it or not, to worship God. There's an example of this in the New Testament. When uh, Jesus was presented to the temple, there was a prophetess there named Anna. And this is what Luke says about her. Anna, this is verse 36. Anna, a prophet who was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. So these are some of the reasons of why we fast and why Jesus expects us to fast. So if you're led to fast, how should you fast? Well, as Jesus said, it's really between you and God. Um, you should fast as the Spirit leads you. Um, but before you fast, I, I thought that it probably would be a good idea to pray before you fast. And it'd probably be a good idea to figure out why you want to fast. And it'd probably be a good idea to write down why you're fasting, the purpose of fasting. I didn't do that but I'm doing it this time so that you can remain focused. on the. And Pastor Mark might have a few things to pray about as well that he'll mention later. But there are different lengths of fast that you can, you can undertake. It's up to you. It's where God leads you. Um, the most common fast in the, in the Bible was the fasting during sunlight period from sunup to sundown. And... Uh, so if you decide to fast this way, you're in luck because it's wintertime. And let's see, the daylight hours are 9 hours and 27 minutes on January 7. If Pastor Mark said, let's do a fast in June, you'd have to fast for 15 hours and 16 minutes. All right? That's almost double. So you're in luck. If you decide to fast from morning to night, you can do that. Um, but there are other lengths that are mentioned in the Bible. Levit Leviticus mentions a one-day fast. Esther called for a three-day fast. Samuel mentions a seven-day fast. Daniel fasted for 21 days. 
And of course, Jesus, Elijah, and Moses fasted for 40 days. So some of you may be led to fast for three days, then eat for three days over the 21-day period. Some may choose to skip one meal the first week, two meals the second week, all meals the third week. Uh, some might be led to fast for five days and break your fast over the weekend. Some might be led to fast for the full 21 days. It's really between you and God and where the Spirit leads you. But remember, when you fast, you need to pray and use that time with your nose in the Bible and with your eyes looking up to God. So I want to just say this. If you decide to fast, you need to listen to your body. Some of you may have medical problems that prevent you from fasting, and fasting, especially for days or weeks, can have unexpected detrimental effects to your health. Um, but I also know that it can have beneficial effects on your health. There's a method where after a certain number of days, your cells start cleaning up all the trash that's in the cells. So it can be a good thing. But you need to listen to your body. So if you haven't fasted before, or if you decide, uh, or if you have medical concerns, and you decide to fast, you really should consult with a doctor. I know a couple of you did uh, maybe two seasons ago. Um, consulted with a doctor before fasting. Um, but listen to this. Most people can go without food for a day. And fasting does not, not necessarily mean going without food for a whole day. You may be able to skip a meal, such as breakfast or lunch, or you can do a limited diet fast. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and always remember that fasting without prayer is spiritually useless. Right? Also, fasting is unbiblical and spiritually harmful when you do it to show off. Now, so I'm going to read these verses I read to you earlier. But this time I'm going to emphasize how Jesus says it's a personal decision between you and God. Matthew 6, 16-18. And Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled. In other words, they wanted people to know they were fasting so that they could be seen as righteous, right? And it continues, so people will admire their fasting, will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. So if you fast, you don't want your reward to be other people saying, look, you fasted, because that's all you're going to get. So it's, it continues, but when you fast, comb your hair, and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And listen to this. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Right, so here's a thought. Rather, rather than wondering whether you should fast, you should ask yourself, why would you want to miss out on the Father's reward? Right? So, I circle back to these questions. Do you have a need for a physical or spiritual healing? Are you at the point of your life where you need direction, whether it's a job situation or a family situation? Are you suffering from a besetting sin, one that's difficult to overcome? Do you have an addiction, whether it is with alcohol, drugs, pornography, social media, 
the television, money, sugar, whatever it may be. Do you need a miracle in your life? Are you going through a challenging time in your life and you need a victory? Do you seek God's favor and protection? Do you need to reset your relationship with God? Do you want to hear from God? I would like to hear from God. Do you want God to impart more wisdom to you? Do you want to grow spiritually stronger? Do you want to draw nearer to God and to press into God and not up there as do you want God to draw closer to you? Do you want a revival to take hold in our community, our country, our world? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you have a reason or reasons to fast and pray over the next, over the next 21 days. So I hope your answer, I answered the question of why fasting, why it's not something weird like I used to think it was. If you're skeptical, skeptical about it, I hope you answer, I answered some of your questions. But pray about it and undertake a fasting program that includes prayer, that includes reading the Word, that includes worshiping, sitting with God quietly, or turning on some worship music. You know, just a period of sitting quietly and listening to what God may have to say. But choose um, whatever fasting period you want to do. It's between you and God. I don't think uh, any of us are going to ask, are you fasting? Right? You may, may ask, well, I hope you're fasting, but we're not going to ask you, are you fasting? Um, and so I hope I answered some of those questions. And I know Pastor Mark, you might have a, a few things to add. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Great, great, great job. Um, you mentioned talking to the doctor. When, when I talk to the doctor and I tell them I'm going to fast, they normally have a negative response toward that. Oh, well, you shouldn't fast. So, you know, like Al said, you need to use wisdom, but listen to your body, but do not listen to your flesh. If you can distinguish, but because your flesh will say, oh, no, you need cupcakes and ice cream. I know, I know, because my flesh has told me that. So I want to encourage you, all of us, uh, if this is your home church, to, to please take some time. And as Al uh, emphasized, it's not just not eating. Not eating, it's just dieting. And this is really about a time of pressing into the Lord about your own life, about your own family. about I mean, goodness, we see what's happening in this country. We see what's happening in the world. There's plenty of reason for us to fast. And I wanted to share some, uh, Al was saying, you know, what are the reasons for? And you may, you probably have some reasons as well. But we're, we're having a targeted fast. And uh, Steve is going to pass out some things. If you'll just take one and pass it down the aisle. And this will be a reminder for this 21-day period. And uh, you may want to, you know, Put this in your bathroom, on your mirror, or something like that, and continue to pray throughout the year. But uh, pray and ask the Lord to show you all the areas in your life that you're not yielding to Him, and ask Him to help you submit those areas to Him. 
And then there's a scripture, Matthew 16, 24, that Jesus said to his disciples, if any, of you, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So we talk about Jesus being our Savior, who saves us and redeems us from all of our sin. But there's another level of that. Is he Lord of our life? Have we yielded and submitted our life to him and saying, Lord, I give you control of my life? Or am I still Lord of my own life? There's a difference there. The second thing, pray that the Lord will show you what is needed for your marriage. Marriages are under attack today. You know, the divorce rate in the church is not much different than in the world, where 50% of Christian marriages are, just, are, are destroyed. So pray about what's needed in your marriage Pray for your children and your grandchildren and ask the Lord what in your family needs to be healed and strengthened. It's not just your life, but those around you. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he, speaking of Jesus, our emphasis there, uh, is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him, through Jesus. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf, on our behalf. And so again, we talk about this on a regular basis about a personal relationship with the Lord. The third thing that, that I'd like you to be praying, us to be praying for, is that the Lord will give us clear direction for our building project and for the abundant resources we need to facilitate His plans. There are things moving, and, and I want to probably give you an update uh, a little later on when I get some more information, but there are some things that are happening behind the scenes that are really, really good, very, very beneficial for us. And, uh, but we, we need to keep praying and asking the Lord because uh, either we're going to have to take out a loan or God's going to have to provide some significant money, probably a couple of million dollars. If, if any of you want to donate a couple of million, that, that would be fantastic. We could maybe move this project along a little faster, just, just saying. But, uh, but there's so much involved uh, in this project. And so we want to pray for the resources, for not just for money to build a building, but for favor with the city and uh, permitting and all of that thing. There's, there's a whole myriad of things to be praying for regarding that project. Ephesians 3.20, you know the scripture. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And so we didn't, uh, we didn't know how the oil royalty was going to work out when we bought the property. And it's paying about 70 to 80% of our mortgage payment. Yeah. And so that's exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. When, we first, when I first looked at the property and the Lord said, if you don't buy this, you're going to regret it. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing that God does. And it's not just financial. It's health and healing and wholeness and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And then the fourth thing to pray for is for all, all believers throughout the world to be protected and to have abundant provision for their needs. I think we forget how blessed we are to live in this nation. And, and not everybody has that kind of blessing and there are Christians that are literally putting their life on the line for following Christ and being Christians, believers. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times 
Okay, so we've talked about, we've just come out of this series about gifts from the Holy Spirit, and we talked extensively about having a prayer language and praying in the Spirit because that builds us up. And I've encouraged you, if, if you don't have a prayer language, pray and ask the Lord to give you one because when we pray in the Spirit, we are built up. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. So we should be praying with understanding and we should be praying in the Spirit a lot. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know, there are believers, there are ministries that we support and they're going into very difficult situations and you know, they pray for us. They pray for you. And they're going through very difficult times and, and you know uh, that we're supporting several ministries, people out on the front line that we can't be there but they're taking the bullets and they're standing for the Lord and they're going through challenges and they're, they're, they're going through things in their life where their life could very well be in peril in most cases, in many cases it is. And so they're praying for us. So we need to pray for our brothers and sisters that are, that are out there on the front lines. And fifth, pray for our nation's protection and, and that bold Godly men and women will lead our nation back to the Lord. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. And, and you know, so we need to, to pray that the Lord will bring revival. We need to pray that people's hearts and lives will be changed. And that we will come as a nation back into this relationship with the Lord. We know that this world is not our home. But we live here. And we have the opportunity to share the hope and the love of Christ. So it's important that we pray for our leaders. Not only our political leaders, but our spiritual leaders. So as we go through this season of prayer and fasting... Here's some things that we can be praying for, and I'm asking you to join us in fasting. You know, I know that some of you, uh, when you first heard about fasting, maybe you're like, well, I'm resistant to that, or I, I may try fast for half a day or maybe a few hours. And I do that from time to time. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll feel like I need to fast today without necessarily a duration in mind. And then I may fast for a day or half a day or, and I feel a release like the Lord said, okay, I, I want you to go ahead and eat now. But it's all about the intentionality of seeking Him. And there's something that happens when we deny our flesh, when we deny eating and we get into that zone. Uh, I, I can't explain it. And those of you that have fasted before know what I'm talking about. But it's intentional where we get in His presence we can read his word sometimes we just need some quiet just get in a quiet place worship is powerful turn on some worship and, and get your heart in alignment with his will and his purpose and be attentive to listen to the holy spirit journal when the lord is speaking we need to write those things down if he's speaking something to us it's important so these are all things that we can do so I'm, I, I know that you will join us and I know that there will be great fruitfulness 
that will come from us. Some of it we may see, some of it we may not see. But we're going to press into Him and start the year off in this manner.